You're unmuted. Good afternoon, everyone. This meeting will come to order. Welcome to the October 16th, 2023 regular meeting of the Land Use and Transportation Committee of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. I am Supervisor Mirna Melgar, Chair of the Committee, joined by Vice Chair Supervisor Dean Preston and Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin. The committee clerk today is John Carroll. I would also like to acknowledge the good folks at SFGov TV for staffing this meeting. Mr. Clerk, do you have any announcements? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. The Board of Supervisors and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential. We'll be taking public comment today as follows. First, public comment will be taken on each item on today's agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first, and then we will take public comment from those who are waiting on the telephone line. The public comment call-in number for today's meeting is 415-655-0001. You'll be prompted to enter a meeting ID. The meeting ID for today's meeting is 2662-402-6907. After you've entered the meeting ID, press the pound symbol twice, and you'll be connected, and you'll hear the meeting discussions but your telephone line will be in listening mode. When your item of interest comes up on our agenda and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak along the western wall of this room. I'm pointing it out with my left hand. And those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you are on your telephone, please remember to turn down your television and your listening devices that you may be using to access the proceedings so that we do not have problems of echo and feedback. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing I invite you to send your public comment via an email to myself. I'm the Land Use and Transportation Committee Clerk. My email address is j-o-h-n-c-a-r-r-o-l-l at sfgov.org. Or you may send your written comments via U.S. Post to our office in City Hall. That is the Clerk's Office, Room 244, and City Hall's address is 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, San Francisco, California, 94102. Finally, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors agenda of October 24th, 2023, unless otherwise stated. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Clerk. Before I ask you to call uh, item number one, I just want to make an announcement that if you're here for item number seven, the planning and subdivision code zoning map uh, housing production, I will be limiting public comment to one minute per speaker uh, since we've heard that item multiple times before. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. Please call item number one. Agenda item number one is a resolution adding the commemorative street name Elsie Tonelli Street to Mission between Santa Rosa Avenue and Excelsior Avenue in recognition of her contribution to San Francisco as a local figure. Thank you very much. I'd like to welcome Supervisor Asha Safai uh, from District 11 to the Land Use and Transportation Committee meeting and uh, turn it over. The floor is yours. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, <clears throat> colleagues, today's resolution will add a commemorative street name to the Mission Street between Santa Rosa and Excelsior Avenues after the late Elsie Tonelli, the pioneering businesswoman who owned and operated Central Drugstore for over 73 years. Let me say that again, 73 years. Ms. Tonelli got her job as a soda clerk at Central Drugstore where she would meet her husband, Dino. After eloping and starting what would become a very large family, she and Dino bought Central Drugstore, and as I said, she owned it for 73 years until her death. 
Ms. Tonelli passed away earlier this year, January 17th, at the age of 96, and it was our honor to, to honor her and recognize her in this chamber in memoriam. She was, at the time of her death, survived by six children, 18 grandchildren, and 23 great-grandchildren. Wow. We considered different ways to recognize uh, this tremendous leader who gave so much to the Excelsior community and our city. Um, and one of the ways we thought of was to look at the statistics about how women are recognized in the city. The Department of Status of Women found that only 7% of the 600 streets in San Francisco are named after that are named after individuals are named after women. So only 7%. So with her history as a pioneering businesswoman, longtime philanthropist, and a community supporter, we felt like this was the right way to honor her and her family and expand the number of streets we name after women in our city. So we're thrilled to see this renaming move forward. Thank you, Chair, for scheduling this in a timely way and are happy to be here with the Tonelli family who's joined us. And I know a few of them want to say a few words. So thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Supervisor Safai. Uh, any comments or questions, colleagues? Okay, with that, uh, let's go to public comment, please, Mr. Clerk. Thank you. If we have anyone in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number one, please come forward to the public comment lectern. You can line up along the wall that I'm indicating with my left hand over here. And if you are connected remotely, you may dial star three, and that will add you to the queue of speakers from whom we will hear. Speaker, please begin. Thank you. Uh, my name is Paul Tonelli. I'm one of the uh, Tonelli children who is here today. And uh, Supervisor Safai, thank you for presenting this item and really appreciate it. Uh, just a little history real quick. Uh, you've given a great thumbnail history of my mom and what she has meant to the Excelsior District. Central Drugstore, I think, is one of the oldest continually, continually operating businesses in all of San Francisco. It's been a continually operating drugstore under the name of Central Drugstore since uh, as far as we can go back to about 1910, so 113 years. And our family is... Uh, the third ownership of that business. And uh, Supervisor uh, Safai said uh, for the last 73 years, uh, my mom actually started working there in uh, 1942 and uh, met my father there. And it's been a huge part of our family. And they have been a huge part of the Excelsior District. She has dedicated her life to that district. Uh, born and raised uh, three children there on Teresa Street before they moved out to Daly City and uh, has maintained her presence in the neighborhood, uh, operating the business, looking after the customers, providing services for uh, the entire Excelsior District. So just appreciate your consideration on this, considering the history and the importance, not only to the district, but also to our family and the commemoration of my mother. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul Tonelli, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hello. Ooh. Uh, sorry, uh, I'm Diane Tonelli Ryan, and I'm the oldest of the seven uh, Tonelli clan. And um, I just wanted to thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak on this resolution because it's very important to us. Um, speak a as little Paul closer. Said, to yeah, there you go. The the drugstore has been the focal point of our entire lives. Uh, <clears throat> my mom was a teen when she followed uh, her dad's advice and uh, answered a want ad in the store's window 
to take a job and she was quickly hired. She became the life of that store. Uh, <clears throat> with uh, my dad, after returning from World War II and uh, finishing pharmacy school at uh, UC Medical School, he became the doctor of the neighborhood and she in the back and she was in the front with uh, making the over-the-counter purchases, the beauty products, the cards, the gifts, the candy, the jewelry. Uh, she connected with uh, so many people in the entire neighborhood. Uh, she always told us how many male customers would come in Christmas Eve and on the, bir the birthdays of their wives and um, girlfriends and sh to find a present. And she knew exactly <laughs> what the ladies in the neighborhood would love. And she not only uh, uh, helped them pick it out, but she personally gift wrapped it. Uh, she, uh, I have something else here. When the dynamics of that mom-pop drugstore and uh, business, uh, businesses started to change, uh, she uh, had heard that a big box uh, pharmacy was going to be coming into the neighborhood, and she rented Thank a you. bus. Speaker's time has concluded. Pardon me? The speaker's time is concluded. We have to move on to the next speaker. But thank you oh, for providing okay. your comments to the committee. Well, sorry, it's only that's two okay. minutes per person. If we can hear from the next speaker, please. Oh. Hi, my name is EJ Jones, and um, I'm here in support of the commemorative name change. Um, as we've heard from the family previously, this is one of the longest standing businesses in the Excelsior, and I think it's really important to honor the 73 years of service to our neighbors and our community. So again, um, in support of the, the, the name change in the family, um, I'm here to support this commemorative name change. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments to the committee. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon. My name is Dave DeVincenzi. I'm one of uh, Elsie's five son-in-laws. And uh, I'm, I'm Sorry here. Sorry to mention the son-in-law. Pardon me? Sorry to mention the son-in-law. <laughs> oh, that's quite all right. Um, I'm just here to support this effort. We think, the family thinks this is an absolutely wonderful way to commemorate Elsie's memory. Um, I would, 50 years ago, I worked at the Central Drugstore as a delivery boy, and I can remember Elsie all through the years, um, the way she took care of her patients, the way she took care of her customers. If, if a customer needed to come to the drugstore, if she didn't have transportation, she'd go, pick them up, bring them to the store. If they needed to go to the doctor, she would go and bring them to the doctor and bring them back home. I challenge anybody in this room to get that level of service anywhere now, anywhere. Uh, she was a true pioneer she had a dedication to her customers and a dedication to that store that was unparalleled. She would go to work every single day, even up until her mid-90s, and walk up that huge flight of stairs and walk back down and loved her job. She loved her patients, and she loved the Excelsior District, and she loved the city of San Francisco. And I thank you guys for considering this. I think this is one of the most appropriate ways to remember Elsie's legacy. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? Good 
my name's Ed Ryan. I am the, uh, the oldest by age and length of marriage son-in-law of Elsie Tonelli. And I am here to attest to the fact that this is a great nomination. She's very deserved. Um, I knew Elsie, she was in my life for 53 years. Her devotion to the people in the Excelsior and for their medical and their pharmaceutical needs and also their sundry needs. She was wonderful. She always kept all those men looking for late, uh, late night uh, gifts. She had the sundry thing down to a, tie, a tea. She had great vitality and she was like a, a great credit to the Excelsior and I think naming something after her, a street after her is a great idea. And thank you very much. Thank you, Ed Ryan, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hello, my name's Ed Bonnert, and I'm the third son-in-law to come <laughs> up in front of you. So uh, if you have three son-in-laws who are going to tell you that she was the best mother-in-law ever, you got to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> she truly was one in a million. I could say good words about her forever. I could find hundreds of people who would echo what I say. But she represented, more than the Excelsior, she represented San Francisco the way you want it represented. Character, charm, love, generosity, the whole nine yards. So again, I thank you for your consideration. More than words can say. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Please come forward if you have comments on agenda item number one. I think I'm the last one. Um, I am Elsie Tonelli's uh, granddaughter. I am the firstborn granddaughter. And uh, my name is Bridget Peterson. And I just wanted to add that um, most of us grew up uh, working at one time or another in the drugstore. I think we made 10 cents an hour to begin with. <laughs> but that was a long time ago, obviously. And um, she absolutely loved that neighborhood and everybody loved her back and I remember many stores growing up like Sorrento's and Farah's and um, the donut shop and Jim's coffee shop and everybody knew her um, she and my nano added so much to that neighborhood and we knew the customers by name even I did as a young person so that's a huge testament um, to her love of the store, of the neighborhood, and even as it changed, she changed with it, and she always made the front windows look beautiful. She loved being at the store, and she was so proud of it, and I think um, it added so much. It brought a lot of people together, um, so I think this is a wonderful way to commemorate her, um, and it's such an honor. I'm so proud to be her granddaughter today, so just wanted to add that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bridget Peterson, for sharing your comments with the committee. If you have comments on agenda item number one, please come forward to the lectern. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Michael Petrellis here. I uh, am speaking in favor of honoring um, Elsie Tonelli. Um, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. As someone who's had his surname mispronounced all his life, I try and get everyone's surname uh, pronounced correctly. I really wish that you had found a way to um, give this item and 
every speaker at least three minutes. Uh, the woman in Tan who was speaking a few minutes ago to the left here, um, uh, I think that she really deserved more than 120 seconds. Um, it, it's really shameful the way people come here uh, to City Hall to speak about um, Elsie Tonelli and other items. Many times we have spent an hour to two hours getting here and then unfortunately um, supervisors will um, limit our time to maybe 60 seconds or in the, for this item just 120 seconds. I really think um, the life, the legacy of um, this woman who should be honored with this um, uh, street change that, um, you know, she really deserved um, uh, to be honored with um, three minutes of public comment. It's really important that um, when people come here that um, they are given this courtesy I think that one of your um, duties as supervisors is to listen to the public that takes the time in the middle of the day to come here and to um, uh, speak in favor of honoring this woman. She sounds really terrific and I hope that you will um, vote in favor of this item and that it will pass unanimously at the Board of Soups. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. I understand we have two callers connected remotely. Could we please be connected to the first caller? And caller, if you've heard that your line has been unmuted, that mean it is, means it is your opportunity to provide comments on agenda item number one. We may have found an unattended line. Let's move on to the other caller. Hi there, uh, my name's Tony Ryan. I'm the oldest grandson of Elsie Tonelli's. Uh, that was my sister Bridget speaking there earlier, my parents, Diane and Ed, speaking earlier. And I just uh, wanna say thank you for this consideration to honor uh, my grandmother's, our grandmother's legacy. And as my sister mentioned, I also grew up working in the drugstore as well. And it's just what I loved about that drugstore and the legacy of the Tonelli family on, on Mission in Santa Rosa was that the customers and the clients that came into that pharmacy were treated like family, just the way they were brought into our family. And, and it was very important to my, to my nani and nano that everybody felt like family inside that pharmacy. And I can't think of a better way to honor Elsie than by, by naming it Elsie Tonelli Street. And especially in, in an era of chain stores kind of taking over uh, to honor a mom and pop business such as Central Drugstore. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Tony Ryan, for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's try to bring in that caller that may have been unattended previously before we close public comment. The line has been unmuted once again. Caller, if you've heard that your line has been unmuted, that means it is your time to provide public comment for agenda item number one. And the line appears to continue to be unmuted, so we have reached the end of public comment. Okay, uh, public comment on this item is now closed. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, did you have any closing remarks, Yes, Supervisor? I'm just gonna say just one or two more things. Thank you, Chair. 
Just want to thank all the family members and relatives that came out today and called in. Uh, was reminded more than anything of, of the reason it makes me proud to be representative of District 11 and the Excelsior and the families that have been there for generations. Ms. Tonelli embodied, as one of you said, so much of what that district represents, her generosity, her kindness, and her love for the neighborhood, not just for the neighborhood, but for San Francisco. So it truly is our honor today to make this motion. We're gonna honor her and it will be there in forever. And thank you for the family for coming out and all that you've done collectively to give back to the neighborhood and to San Francisco. Okay, thank you so much, Supervisor Safai. I'd like to make a motion that we approve this item and send it to the entire board with a positive recommendation. On the motion offered by the chair that this resolution be sent to the Board of Supervisors with the recommendation of the Land Use Committee, Vice Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. That uh, item passes. Thank you, Supervisor Asafai. Um, let's go, uh, please, uh, Mr. Clerk, to items uh, two through four, if you could call them together. Agenda item numbers two, three, and four are three resolutions authorizing the placement of cultural heritage district plaques to be installed on the sidewalks at various historic location markers along the 6th Street corridor, one for the Lodging House District, another for the Soma Pilipinas Filipino Cultural Heritage District, and a third for Compton's Transgender Cultural District, and initiating the process set forth in Public Works Code Section 798 to provide for the creation of a program for and installation of commemorative plaques within the district. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Clerk. We have Arun Bhatia here who uh, works at Public Works who will make a presentation. Welcome, Mr. Bhatia. And where will my presentation show? Is it on your screen or how does it show? Oh, there, there we go. Cool. Great. Okay. Uh, my name is Arun Bhatia, project manager with San Francisco Public Works. And today I am requesting the approval of the installation of commemorative plaques along 6th Street corridor uh, between Market and Howard Street in San Francisco. Uh, this will be installed as part of the 6th Street pedestrian safety project. Uh, general information about the project, it's located on 6th Street between Market and Howard Street in District 6. Uh, original contract cost is just north of $10 million. Uh, project NTP uh, started in January 2022 and expected to complete in May of 2024. Uh, as we're approaching the end, we are expecting the plaque scope to uh, initiate sometime in early 2024 following approval of the resolution. Uh, project sponsors are SFMTA, SFCTA, and SF Public Works, and you can find more info on our project website. Uh, the project is a streetscape project, a complete streets project, so in addition to the plaques, it includes uh, all the essential elements of an infrastructure project. We have upgraded sewers, sidewalk, um, street lighting, uh, traffic signals, bulb outs, decorative crosswalks. So basically everything a complete streets project would include. I have a few examples here that you can see of completed work just this summer uh, at 6th admission, some new pedestrian lights. These span across the entire corridor. 
new paving across the entire corridor, an example here at 6th and Mission, uh, as well as sidewalk extensions at various locations within the corridor, an example here at 6th and Market. Uh, the project uh, is within three respective districts. Um, it's the districts themselves are larger than the project limits, but the project falls within three districts. You can see an overlay here of the project boundaries uh, on top of each respective district, the first being the Lodging House Historic District on the left, uh, the Transgender District in the middle, and the Soma Filipinas District on the right. Um, the commemorative plaque scope itself uh, is going to honor all three districts. So our goal is to put 18 plaques in total on the project. Uh, there's six blocks on the project, so each block will have three plaques. Uh, within each group of three, we will have one plaque honoring each of the three districts. Um, the resolutions include the details of each uh, plaque and what images they are planning to uh, incorporate. Uh, but for example, I have a location three here highlighted um, for Soma P on the left. Uh, you can see we're recognizing a Filipino World War II veteran, um, specifically their struggle for recognition equality and treatment equal to that of other World War II veterans. Uh, in the middle is an image of the lodging house district, uh, specifically a group of locations on 6th and Market uh, that house single male season workers and are the last surviving group of densely packed residential hotels built in this area after the 1906 earthquake. And finally, on the right, uh, we're honoring Wilmer Little Axe Broadnax, a transgender man and prominent gospel single, singer. Finally, the scope itself, this slide gives an example of how they will be installed on the sidewalk. On the left is a street perspective. You can see the three plaques there. Uh, the group of three, they're installed in the furnishing zone, so out of the pedestrian path of travel, adjacent to trees or street lights. Um, they are going to be placed within banded concrete uh, to highlight that location. Uh, the plaques themselves um, will be two foot by two foot bronze, and they will have a slip resistance coefficient applied, so that was uh, if pedestrians walk up and visit the plaque, it might be rainy, it might be wet, uh, the, the, the plaque themselves will act similar to a sidewalk, so, so it'll be safe to, safe to walk on if necessary. And that concludes my presentation. Uh, any questions? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Batia. Do we have any questions or uh, comments, colleagues? Okay. Thank uh, you. Uh, Supervisor Preston. Thanks. I, no, no questions, and uh, really just wanted to thank all the advocates uh, behind these three items um, and Supervisor Dorsey and his team's work on these um, and I'd very much like to be added as a as a co-sponsor on these items and also just acknowledge and and uh, reference you know my uh, interest in in just kind of observing I think one of the more really troubling aspects of last year's um, redistricting process and the what I would call a runaway redistricting task force um, was the splitting of the uh, Filipino community on both sides of Market Street, the trans district on both sides of Market Street, uh, very problematic. And I think one thing that I've often discussed with Supervisor Dorsey, and I think we both feel strongly about, is despite those uh, political sort of lines being drawn there, uh, that we continue to the greatest extent possible to be working together to support uh, these communities. And I see these items as part of that effort. So uh, thank you again to all the advocates. Uh, who pushed for this and to Supervisor Dorsey and his staff.
Thank you, Supervisor Preston. Uh, Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment on this item. Thank you. Do we have anyone who has public comment on agenda item numbers two, three, and four called together at this time? Please come forward to the lectern for two minutes public comment. If you're connected remotely, please dial star three and that will add you to the queue. First speaker, please. Good afternoon. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here with you today. My name is Carlo Gomez Artiaga. I'm one of the co-executive directors of the Transgender District of San Francisco. Um, just a little bit about the district. The Transgender District, as you know, was founded by three transgender black women in 2017, and it's the first legally recognized transgender district in the world. Originally named after the Compton Cafeteria Rights of 1966, our mission is to create an urban environment that fosters the rich history, culture, and legacy, and empowerment of transgender people in its deep roots in the southeastern neighborhood of the Tenderloin. This is where many transgender and queer folks live and where the riots took place. Our organization aims to stabilize and economically empower the transgender community here in San Francisco. I wanna thank the co-sponsors of this uh, resolution um, and for your vote today, authorizing the placement of this important plaques um, that cross over multiple districts here particularly uh, honoring the trailblazers in the transgender community, Marsha P. Johnson, Lady Chablis, Wilmer Little Axe Broadnax, Sir Lady Java, and Lucy Hicks Anderson, and Mary Jones. These plaques will be installed in various sidewalks um, along the Sixth Street Corridor, and it's vital for all communities to know and celebrate these trailblazers. Um, this will make San Francisco one of the few places in the world where this, these types of recognitions are. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Could we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon, Supervisors. Raquel Redondius, Director of Soma Pilipinas, the Filipino Cultural Heritage District in San Francisco. I um, want to thank the Supervisors for hearing this and Supervisor Dorsey for sponsoring the legislation. For us, this is um, a long time in the incoming. Uh, I've been working on this for five years and want to thank Arun Bhatia from SFMTA for working with our community, um, even helping to push back on the city when the city uh, originally asked um, us to ensure these plaques. Um, and so we really appreciate the partnership and how we're really trying to figure out how to do things um, in a more community-centered way. Um, uh, this will, for Soma Pilipinas, this is the first permanent plaques, um, or even any public marker recognizing the presence and contributions of the Filipino community. And Sixth Street is a very important corridor um, for us to, to this day. Uh, we still have Yu Bai Hu, um, who's continuing his grandfather's um, legacy of owning a barbershop on Sixth Street, um, thriving there. We have the Bayanihan Community Center. We have the Bindlestiff Studio that continues to be a really important gathering space for our community. And last but not least, we have Bill Housing on 6th and Howard, um, named after the late and great Bill Soro, who was um, a housing activist and organizer at the I Hotel, but also uh, my mentor and who continued to mentor a whole generation of, of Filipino activists fighting for housing rights in the city. Um, we, um, we're really excited to have these plaques come in. Thank you. 
You have, you have 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Oh, okay. I also want to share that we are working on a new mural also on 6th Street um, on top of one of the hotels by Allison Human. Um, so we're excited that that's going to be completed this month um, as part of Philippine American History Month um, in partnership with the Parks Alliance. Um, and also looking forward to working with uh, Supervisor Dorsey and this committee to ushering forward more um, cultural markers, uh, especially permanent, like the permanent markers like the Soma Gateway. Thank you. Thank you, Raquel Rodandias, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hi, my name is Aubrey Davis, um, the executive director, <laughs> the executive program associate at the Transgender District. I just wanted to say thank you for honoring these trailblazers here with these plaques. Um, this just solidifies that we are still improving and still empowering trans folks and people that are coming here to San Francisco. And this is just another location for us to make sure that people are recognized by us. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey Davis, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hello, my name is Brianna McCree. I'm also- Pull that mic right up to you. Can you hear Ma me now? Now we can hear you. I'll start Hi, your time. Hi, my name is Brianna McCree. I'm also with the Transgender District here in support of the placards for the Soma Filipinas and Transgender District area. A win for the transgender folks is a win for everyone. Our history is everyone's history and it should be celebrated and this is a great way to do it. Thank you all for um, your support in this. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone else who has public comment on agenda items two, three, and four called together? Please come forward to the lectern. Hi, Michael Petrellis again. I want to speak in favor of each of these items. I think that the um, markers are totally necessary. Um, what's a shame, though, is that um, instead of giving we the people public comment time for item two, for item three, for item four, you've compressed the three items into one. That is chipping away at public comment. And that is really a shame. Unfortunately, San Francisco right now in this uh, 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 city hall is chipping away at public comment in lots of different ways. And this is a perfect example of how we the people, we the taxpayers, are denied um, every opportunity to petition our government. Now, of course, many of you um, are busy on your cell phones or you're looking at um, eBay. You're not paying any attention to what the public has to say. Regardless of your disinterest in what we the people have to say, Every item should be given public comment. And not only should each item have public comment, we should get three full minutes. Many of us have taken an hour to two hours to get here. We're gonna take another hour to two hours to get home. We deserve 180 seconds of public comment on every item. I ask that you unanimously endorse um, uh, all of these markers and that the full board Speakers passes concluded. that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. 
Do we have anyone connected remotely who has public comment on agenda items number two, three, and four called together? I see that we have one. Can we please be connected? Thank you, Clerk. Uh, Joe Kunzler here. Uh, I, I want to say first that I fully support these street plaques, but I also think we should have a few more street plaques. Joe Kunzler, I'm going to pause your time for just a moment. We can, we can barely hear you. There's a lot of background noise. It sounds like wind or something. Okay, I turned my over. fan off and there I'm going to the microphone close to my face. Can you hear me now? Yeah, please begin. Okay, uh, I'm going to be quickly brief. Yeah, yes, Clark. Good to hear your voice. It's, I'm so sad about the end of remote comment, but these are about Commodore Street plaques. I fully endorse and support items two, three, and four, but I also think you should uh, send the Supervisor Stephanie Superfans an invoice for a Commodore Street plaque to honor the hero who called the NRA voice a terrorist who stands up to anti-Semites and bullies and we should have a Commodore Street plaque for you, sir, for all you've done for our democracy and for Clark Angela as well. The list goes on. Uh, and again, I don't want to take away from the, the winners of two, three, and four. I just think we should have a few more street plaques to honor the heroes who stood up for our democracy and for our inclusion. And um, I want to again say thank you for you to the court's office for their vote testimony in case this is my last comment. And uh, thank you, and like a Stephanie, the rest of submit. Please mute my line. Thank you, Joe Kunzler, for sharing your comments with the committee. Madam Chair, it appears we have no further callers. Okay, with that, public comment on this item is now closed. Um, I'd like to make a motion that we send these items over to the full board with a positive recommendation. On a motion offered by Chair Melgar that these three items be sent to the Board of Supervisors with the recommendation of Land Use and Transportation Committee, Vice Chair Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Great. Uh, let's go to item number five then, Mr. Clerk, please. Agenda item number five is a resolution of intention establishing a street plaza at Eagle Plaza, 383 12th Street under Administrative Code Chapter 94 and urging Public Works to initiate the process to solicit a plaza steward at this location. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. We have uh, Brian Dahl here from Supervisor Dorsey's office to present on this item. Welcome, Mr. Dahl. Thank you. Good morning, Chair Malgar and committee members. My name is Brian Dahl, legislative aide to Supervisor Matt Dorsey. I'm here on behalf of Supervisor Dorsey to urge the Department of Public Works to establish Eagle Plaza as a street plaza and to identify a plaza steward for this public space. Eagle Plaza is a beloved public space adjacent to the Eagle Bar on Harrison Street in the south of Market. The space opened in 2020 and has served the Soma West and leather and LGBTQ plus community with several activations that include farmers markets and street fairs. Most recently, a leather pride festival took place inside the plaza and during the MPOX outbreak, the nonprofit Friends of Eagle Plaza and DPH partnered to open up a pop-up vaccine at the plaza. Under San Francisco Administrative Code Chapter 94, the city established its plaza program, which is overseen by the Department of Public Works. The program's intent is to identify public events and activities, I'm sorry, the program's intent is to identify public spaces in the city and to assign stewards to help advance events and activities that are free to the public by working closely with the permitting center and other city agencies. 
Stewards also help maintain the cleanliness and general upkeep of the space. After three years of being open, Eagle Plaza has not been established as a formal street plaza, thus no steward has been assigned to carry out the duties previously mentioned. Both the District 6 office and the community see this as a missed opportunity. Over the past several months, we have heard from at least one nonprofit that has expressed an interest in stewardship. I hope you will vote in favor of supporting the District 6 office and urging Public Works to move forward with what's proposed in the resolution. Available to elaborate on the Plaza program and to answer any questions is Ian Schneider, Government Affairs Manager at Public Works. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dahl. Do we have any comments or questions, colleagues? Okay, I do have a, a couple questions, uh, and perhaps more for uh, Mr. Schneider. Um, so there used to be a plaza program uh, at DPW, um, and you know uh, this is interesting to me because we do have uh, several spaces around town, um, as we have seen the decrease uh, in uh, parking. Uh, there, there are several spaces around town where. The community has started gardens or you know whatnot, um, but we no longer have a plaza program at DPW, and this is like a, a way to address you know one. Um, and I wish we had a like a standard way to do it around town and have you know policies and procedures and protocols, you know a standard MOU, like you know all of these things because I think that this is just the way we should conduct business. So I'm wondering, uh, Mr. Schneider, if you know this is gonna be a one-off or if we're thinking of bringing back the Plaza program or how does this fall in the context of your, um, of your department? I think he's on. Hi, team. Supervisor Maldar. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm on Teams, thank you. Uh, appreciate the question. Um, yeah, the way the Plaza program was originally set up was a, um, a partnership between real estate and public works. Um, plazas do require stewards to um, be uh, part of the program that's uh, written into the legislation. And naturally, uh, to obtain a steward, we generally need dedicated funding as well as an RFP process to make it equitable. So we're always open to uh, where uh, plaza program stewardship could be activated. And if there's any specific locations in District 7, uh, we'd be happy to review that with you. So I'm sorry, just to answer my question, there, the Plaza program is still active? It's, I don't believe there are any plazas currently being stewarded as part of the Plaza program. Um, I know there's Treat Plaza um, is um, kind of in, in the same spirit of the Plaza program, um, and that's Livable City. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, that looks to be it for comments and questions. Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment, please. Thank you. We'll now take public comment on agenda item number five. This is the resolution of intention establishing a street plaza at Ega Plaza. Please come forward to the lectern if you have public comment on agenda item number five. Good afternoon, committee. Uh, it's wonderful to have you all here uh, listening to this uh, uh, possibility of the stewardship. I, my name is Lex Montiel, and I'm the owner operator of San Francisco Eagle Bar, and I'm also um, one of the founders of the original uh, proposal for having uh, 
uh, Eagle Plaza come to life. And then we, uh, we, we steered that, that program for about five years in uh, cooperation with the developer and um, my business the partner that he passed away, uh, Mike Leon. And uh, we had um, we had a great uh, support and going to the uh, permitting program process for uh, five years to get the Eagle Plaza finally um, be uh, constructed. The city also participated in this. Uh, what we, I'm here to do is uh, to propose the uh, uh, the the Friends of Eagle Plaza, a group that is conformed with different uh, nonprofits like the some of the CBD. Um, there is Leather Alliance. Um, in the past, Folsom was um, was part of it, and uh, we're having conversations about consideration, maybe coming back. We're also trying to bring the the, uh, the museum, the GLTV Historical Society Museum, as part of the board. And with this idea, is to propose the stewardship be made by several nonprofits that are interested and uh, stakeholders interested on the plaza to develop programming and for in benefit of the community. I would like you to please consider uh, Friends of Eagle Plaza to have the, uh, the stewardship. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lex Montiel, for sharing your comments. The committee, could we have the next speaker, please? Hi. <clears throat> um, my name is Angel Adioha. I'm the executive director of Folsom Street. Uh, one of the organizations that Mr. Montel just mentioned. Um, throughout the uh, closures during the early pandemic and continuing through last Saturday, I've been, our nonprofit has been one of three that has thrown a monthly art um, uh, and community event in Eagle Plaza and continuing down 12th Street, Soma Second Saturdays. At the time that we began it, it was the only um, it was the only event that our community had access to in an outdoor space. Um, we had the ongoing difficulties of like maintaining connection and community during all the closures, and the plaza was an integral part of that. Um, I do think that we, um, as was kind of illustrated by other items on the agenda, we have a tendency to uh, mark history more than current and future needs sometimes. And um, while our history is rich and important in the Leather District, our current and future needs are kind of dire. So having space to gather that um, is specifically not connected to um, a business, um, as wonderful as those businesses are and as much as we need them, but a space that's open and free to our community is crucial. And we've been able to activate it even without a steward in some really important and interesting ways, ways that support the art and culture and history of our district. So I would, um, I would love to see all the Plaza programs come back, but in the meantime, I'm here to speak in, uh, in favor of Eagle Plaza being stewarded. Thank you. Thank you, Angel, for sharing your comments with the committee. Public comment is now on the resolution of intention to establish a street plaza at Eagle Plaza. Please begin your time. Hello, Michael Petrellis again. Um, I first want to thank the um, uh, um, Alejandro and others at the um, Eagle Bar for maintaining this plaza and everything around their property. Um, however, uh, I must raise the question about if this is a public plaza, I want the public to have a say in what goes on the flagpole. 
As we have seen um, over the decades with the public plaza at Harvey Milk Plaza and the flagpole, it is public property, but it's controlled by a private organization. And most recently, this organization refused to lower the flag to honor Senator Dianne Feinstein. I would like a policy developed where at um, the Eagle Plaza, there is um, uh, flexibility about what goes on that flagpole. For example, recently there was the Barrison um, Street Fair. I would like to have seen the Bear Pride flag flying at Eagle Plaza for a week. Um, when it is Transgender Day of Visibility or Transgender um, Remembrance, I'd like to see the transgender flag raised there. I think that um, flagpoles and what goes on them have to do with the First Amendment and free speech. And right now, it is my understanding, and uh, Alejandro can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the bar controls what goes on that flagpole. It's a public flagpole. I'm glad it's being maintained by the um, bar, but I think that there should be much flexibility in flying other flags there um, and also lowering the flag on appropriate days of commemoration. So I hope you'll raise these issues. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. I understand we have one caller connected remotely. Uh, and I believe you provided public comment previously, so we have to move on. If we can get the next speaker, please. Uh, connected remotely, please. Do Speaker, you may have just heard that your line is unmuted. That means it is your opportunity to provide your comments to the committee. And this line appears to be unattended. Let's unmute them one more time, give them one more chance, otherwise we need to move forward with our agenda. Madam Chair, it appears we've reached the end of public comment. Great. Uh, public comment on this item is now closed. Supervisor Mandelman. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, and um, I'm visiting for the next item, but I did just want to thank Lex and the Friends of Eagle Plaza, um, uh, in Lex's case, for um, saving an amazing community institution, um, and then for um, providing so much leadership around this um, plaza and for continuing to, um, to do so much work above and beyond, uh, you know, keeping the Eagle going. So um, thank you, Lex, and I'm honored to be a co-sponsor. Okay, thank you. I'd like to make a motion that we uh, send this item with a positive recommendation to the full board. On the motion offered by Chair Melgar that the resolution be forwarded to the Board of Supervisors with the recommendation of land use and transportation. Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item number six. Agenda item number six is an ordinance amending the planning code to change the zoning controls in the Castro Street Neighborhood Commercial District to allow nighttime entertainment with a conditional use authorization on the second floor and affirming the planning department's determination under the California Environmental Quality Act and making findings of consistency with the general plan, the priority policies of planning code section 101.1 and findings of public necessity, convenience, and welfare under planning code section 302. 
Thank you so much. Uh, so Supervisor Mandelman, who is the sponsor of this legislation, has joined us, and I'll turn it over to him now. Thank you, um, Madam Chair, and I will uh, be brief and then allow Audrey Merloni to actually explain what's going on with this ordinance. Um, it's been kicking around for a while. Uh, it was introduced, we introduced it in June of last year um, in connection with uh, the conversation we started also around the, uh, the amendments to the landmarking of the Castro Theater. Um, there's been a lot of talk about um, the Castro Theater at this committee and at the full board. Um, this is kind of the tail end of that conversation. It is a change to the zoning in the Castro that I think probably makes sense uh, with or without um, the APE project. Um, just for context, uh, within the Castro Neighborhood Commercial District Nighttime Entertainment, um, is currently allowed with a conditional use authorization on the first floor of the building, but not permitted on the second floor or above. And this legislation would allow nighttime, nighttime entertainment with a conditional use on the second floor, um, which would make it consistent with the rest of the area, um, uh, including the upper market and CD. Um, so I'm, uh, and then as this came before the two committees, uh, the Planning Commission and the Historic Preservation Commission, there was a uh, change requested um, that I'm going to let uh, Ms. Merloni talk more about. Welcome, Mr. Ms. Merloni. Thank you very much. Uh, Audrey Merloni, Planning Department staff. As Supervisor Mandelman already stated, the proposed ordinance would amend the planning code to conditionally per permit nighttime entertainment uses on the second story within the Castro Street Neighborhood Commercial District. Um, I also want to note that currently in the Castro Street NCD, non-residential uses are permitted up to 1,999 square feet, require conditional use between 2,000 square feet and 3,999 square feet, and are not permitted for uses 4,000 square feet and above. So um, Supervisor Mandelman alluded to this a bit, but to provide a bit more context, this legislation is tied to several other approvals that the Castro Theater property requires in order to move forward with the project's sponsor's proposal to renovate various historic features, um, make various interior changes, and expand the use from a movie theater to also include nighttime entertainment and bar uses. The project required a conditional use authorization to operate that nighttime entertainment use and bar use. That uh, conditional use authorization was granted by the Planning Commission on June 15th of this year. It also required a certificate of appropriateness and that uh, was for the proposed renovations occurring on the interior of the building. That certificate of appropriateness was granted by the Historic Preservation Commission also on June 15th. And then lastly, you may remember um, the project required an amendment to the building's Article 10 landmark designation. So the Board of Supervisors initiated this amendment in May of last year, and then the Historic Preservation Commission voted in February of this year to approve that landmark designation. They had one recommendation, which was to include the upper balcony fixed seats as a character-defining feature. And then uh, the uh, amendment came to you on May 8th, 2023, where you voted two to one to recommend the alteration um, with the designation that the um, Historic Preservation Commission uh, recommended. Additionally, you recommended including the ground floor fixed seats as a character defining feature. 
The Board of Supervisors ultimately voted not to take the, um, the committee's amendments and finally passed the landmark designation with the HPC's recommendation and that modification again was only um, to include the upper balcony fixed seats as a character defining feature. So coming back to the ordinance before you today, um, on June 15th of this year, the Historic Preservation Commission and the Planning Commission conducted a, spe a specially scheduled joint hearing to consider the ordinance. Um, at the hearing, the uh, Historic Preservation Commission adopted a recommendation for approval with modifications, and the Planning Commission also recommended approval with modifications. That one recommended modification was to remove the non-residential use size limitations for Article 10 landmarks in the Castro Street NCD, and I believe um, Supervisor Mandelman uh, will speak more to that amendment later. Um, I'm available, as is my colleague Alex Westhoff, who is here via Microsoft Teams, if you have any questions about this ordinance or the uh, several other aspects that are floating around surrounding this project. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Marloni. Uh, any questions or comments, colleagues? Okay, uh, let's go to public comment on this item, please. My mic on. Thank you. We'll now take public comment on agenda item number six related to the nighttime entertainment Castro Street neighborhood commercial district. If you have comments on that item, please come forward to lectern for two minutes. And if you're connected remotely, please dial star three and that will add you to the queue. You may begin. Good afternoon, supervisors. Uh, thank you for holding this hearing and considering this issue. My name is Andrea Aiello and I am the executive director for the Castro Community Benefit District, and I'm here to express the support of the Board of Directors um, for this ordinance and urge you to please support this ordinance. Um, this will allow the Castro Theater to be used to its full potential, whether showing films or hosting live entertainment in the theater. It will also allow for increased vibrancy in the Castro NCD, and all businesses will benefit. Before taking this vote, be, before our board took this vote, um, I went around and talked with the other nighttime um, businesses, the bars on Castro Street, to ask them what they thought about this. And um, not one of them opposed this change, this zoning change for the Castro NCD. And in fact, several um, said that this really, they don't even see this as a change because pre-pandemic, the folks who were running the Castro Theater um, would get, often would get catering permits to bring in um, entertainment or alcohol serving activities up on the second floor. So they really felt, saw this as just formalizing a practice that was done through a cumbersome permitting process that was just very temporary, a one night kind of thing. Um, and so there really was no opposition from um, the bars and the, with that understanding, the CBD board voted to support, to recommend to you to support this ordinance change and zoning change. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrea Aiello, for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hi, my name is Mike Murray, and I'm a gay resident of the Castro. I'm also co-chair of Neighbors for Restored Castro Theater, a grassroots group of queer Castro community members that supports APE's plans to restore the historic Castro Theater. After many months of delay, APE's project and legislation enabling the project have been endorsed by the Planning Commission, the Historic Preservation Commission, and the full Board of Supervisors. 
The majority of public comments and letters submitted to those bodies over the last several months also endorsed the project, demonstrating broad LGBTQ and Castro community support. APE's project has faced many months of delays, during which time the theater continues to deteriorate, negatively impacting our neighborhood and local businesses. Allowing nighttime entertainment on the second floor will remove one of the last remaining barriers to the project moving forward. Please approve the amendment without further delay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors. I'm Ralph Hibbs. I live in the Castro at Castro Market. I'm also a board member and treasurer of the Castro CBD. The Castro CBD and myself as a Castro resident request the Land Use Committee to approve the planning code change to allow nighttime entertainment with a conditional use operation on the second floor. The planning code change builds on the past Board of Supervisors' actions, both large and small, to enhance the ability of Castro businesses to attract people to the Castro. These actions include the possibility of new alcohol licenses in the Castro, permission for some businesses to add entertainment activities into their business models, and direct financial support to the Castro Merchants Association for pop-up store grants. These actions are working. The Castro is beginning to buzz again. The sidewalks are filling up with more people both during the day and weekend nights. I can literally hear it from my home, and I welcome it. Um, fun fact from the CBD, the available retail space vacancy has dropped from 24% in January to 17% today. As, the new as these new leases turn into new businesses, the Castro buzz will continue to grow. Please keep the momentum going and vote to support the planning code change today. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Supervisors, clerk, here we are again. Thank you so much for your time, for your attention, your advocacy, and your hard work on this and so many other subjects. My name is Andrew Bennett. I am the president of IATSE Local 16, the stage theatrical film and entertainment workers for San Francisco. We also represent our colleagues on SFGov right now. Shout out to them. Uh, I stand here in support of this change. It is a baffling condition to exist, and the fact that it has existed only in one neighborhood has made me wonder if it was originally a uh, nefarious permitting condition to single out a particular group of people in the Castro. Um, but as I become more aware of the circumstances of how this permit uh, how this policy came into being, it really does seem that it is a policy in name only, as we have heard from other speakers, and I uh, applaud the change of this permit. We need to have an active Castro theater, an active Castro neighborhood. If you, like I did today, went up there, today you would see local 16 workers working with Audrey Joseph, Another Planet, and the Castro Theater on Lesbians Who Tech. There's a street closure. There's people everywhere. We're getting people back into the city, which is what we really, really need. And for that venue to succeed in any application, as a film theater or as a live performance venue, as we've already discussed so many other times, we need to have this permit condition go through. So I support it wholeheartedly. Thank you for your time. And I found this to be an utterly adequate amount of time. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Next speaker, please. Please, uh, please line up along the wall here. Yeah, Mr. Field, there was someone sorry. who was in the line waiting for their opportunity to have their comments. She said she granted me her okay. place. On Hi. agenda item number six, please. Yes, sure. 
uh, hi. Castro, not Castro, it's all city that's concerned. I think uh, since the present is so bad and the future uncertain, until tomorrow, because I'm going to give you the good news, uh, I think you shouldn't touch anything. That's not transform anything, but instead remember how it was before, when it was, you know, originally, for example, the Castro Theater, when it was built. I think it was beautiful. So don't touch anything because you are doing, you don't know what you are doing because nobody knows. So you wait, freeze the thing, think twice, and then we do something good for Castro, of course, but for the whole city, other theaters as well, by the way, right? So just hold on. That's all I, I want to say. Thank you, Thierry Phil, for sharing your comments to the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, supervisors and committee members. Uh, my name is M. Rocket. I am speaking in opposition to the uh, zoning change. Um, the loss of this uh, historically important queer cultural heritage site has had a huge impact on our communities, and um, but still hope remains for support from our supervisors and city officials. Um, relative to the Castro Theater, uh, which was a catalyst for this legislation. In June, they were granted a conditional use permit for a minimum of 180 days of calendar year of operation and mandated that 90 days of those should be open to the general public. If this legislation goes through, um, that it's potentially, the theater could be closed for 275 days of the year, which seems really unacceptable. And the folks who were in such support of how coming, bringing back the theater through this corporate entity are really misinformed because it's gonna be closed more than it's gonna be open. Um, the lack of com clear communication around this whole process for the community to be able to fully understand the impact is, um, is a problem. Um, the noise level will likely increase the uh, threat to affordable housing, which currently is, exists on second story uh, venues, is um, potentially a threat, threatened by this. So we continue to hope for support from the supervisors in the city. Thank you so much. Thank you, M. Rocket, for sharing your comments with the committee. Do we have anyone further who has comments on agenda, agenda item number six here in the chamber? Please begin. Ooh. Wait a moment, I gotta take my mask off. Hello, Michael Petrellis. I um, want to have a moment of silence for the death of the Castro Theater. The Castro Theater was never properly maintained by the Nasser family. They did only minimal um, maintenance. They allowed the um, theater to seriously deteriorate. The Nasser family has never held a meeting in the Castro. Speaking of meetings, unfortunately, our supervisor in the district has never held a town hall meeting about the Castro theater. Uh, that is really shameful. Right now, we are looking at at least 280 dark nights at the theater since another planet took it over. Uh, looking at their calendar, 
until the end of January, it's at least 150 dark nights. That is unacceptable. There is nothing stopping another planet from showing films now, but they choose not to do that. I really want to thank um, the supervisors who have um, stood up uh, despite much um, opposition for supporting Saving the Castro Theater's interior integrity. Thank you, Peskin. Thank you, Mr. Preston, for um, recognizing the importance of the interior integrity. It is a shame that um, we have lost the Castro Theater as a movie palace. And I hope that one day it will be returned to its glory as a movie palace. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your comments. Do we have anyone else here in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number six? Seeing none, let's turn our attention to those who are connected remotely. I understand that we have four callers in the queue. Could we please be connected to the first of those four callers? Hi, my name is Kevin Scott, a gay resident of Castor Street. I'm calling today to add my voice to the many neighbors, businesses, and community organizations strongly supporting another planet's efforts to restore the Castor Theater, which includes supporting the measure before the committee today to permit operations on the second floor. Please facilitate the next phase of the theater's evolution by supporting this amendment. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments, Kevin. Could we have the next speaker, please? Hi, Supervisors. I'm Alice and my family owns and lives in the home directly behind the Castro Theater. And you'll recognize my name because I signed a letter with nearly four dozen other neighbors on Hartford Street regarding the Castro Theater this winter. I've also attended each of the subsequent hearings and regret that I'm not able to join in person today, but urge you to take my comments into serious consideration given my pro close proximity to the theater. I'm voicing my support to change the zoning laws in the Castro Street Neighborhood Commercial District and allow nighttime entertainment on the second floor. The amendment is wholly necessary for our merchants and retail tenants to revitalize the neighborhood, which is seeing increased store vacancies and crime as a result of falling foot traffic. Most of us on Hartford Street have lived here for decades, and if you've ever been to our block, you'll know why. We're known for organizing joint street cleaning days, putting our own money and hours into maintaining the city planter beds, and hosting happy hours on our front stoops. However, fast forward to recent months where I was awoken two nights in a row to shattered glass in my garage due to two attempted back-to-back break-ins. Also, just last night, I had to meet with SFPD due to someone setting fire to the bushes outside my front door. We desperately want to reverse this trend and see revived nightlife as a critical piece to saving our neighborhood and everything we moved here for. You'll notice those in opposition of this amendment don't even live in the Castro. So if you're undecided or unaware of how passionately we neighbors feel about supporting the Castro District's revitalization, I'd like for you to personally invite you to come to Hartford Street and meet your voters and speak directly with those of us who have bedroom windows that share lot lines with the theater. Let's work together to change these zoning laws and bring nightlife back to the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hello, my name is Jan Reck, and I am an executive co-chair for the Castro LGBTQ Cultural District. Um, we are not objecting to the change in the code itself. Um, we do have great concern about the lack of socialization with residents and businesses to ensure that they fully understand these proposed changes, though. 
So we are asking for clarification of the scope of the changes and adding safeguards in for consideration. Um, so we're asking for the planning de department to conduct additional studies that will give the neighborhood more assurances that this change will be beneficial and not detrimental to the neighborhood. We'd like to ask for studies about the nearby housing units and the impact of this change on housing. We also request a noise study to be conducted to assess the effects of this change on the surrounding areas and that a limit be placed on hours of operation for the nighttime entertainment. Um, these will not only help to ensure accountability to the neighborhood and make sure that this is not detrimental to the neighborhood, but also help inform other departments like the Entertainment Commission. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, my name is Tina Aguirre, and I'm the Cultural District Director for the Castro LGBTQ Cultural District. We respectfully request consideration that Supervisor Mandelman add in more findings or safeguards for consideration of this kind of item. Specifically, we'd like the planning department to be utilized to consider the impact on housing units for this type of legislation. We're also concerned about legacy businesses. One instance in which this matters is the restaurant space across the street from the Castro Theater that used to be a Thai restaurant that could be purchased to open a live entertainment venue that could negatively impact tenants living around the venue. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your comments. And Madam Chair, I understand that that was the last speaker. Great. Uh, public comment on this item is now closed. Uh, Supervisor Mandelman, did you have any closing remarks? Uh, I don't think so. Just uh, thanks to um, the folks who have been turning up and everyone who cares uh, very much about the future of the Castro Theater. I think that uh, you have an amendment that was recommended by the Planning Commission, um, and I would encourage the committee to make that amendment. Um, and then uh, I think this has to sit for a week, so I don't think you can forward this to the full board. Okay. Uh, I'd like to make a motion that we adopt that amendment uh, into this legislation. On the motion offered by Chair Melgar that the ordinance be amended, Vice Chair Preston. Pres Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. There are Thanks. three ayes, Madam Chair. <laughs> um, so I'd like to make a motion that we uh, send the amended uh, legislation onto the full board. With a, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we're continuing it to next week. I'm sorry, it's a You want to continue it as yes. amended to the next Land yes. Use and Transportation Committee meeting. That. On that motion offered by Chair Melgar, Vice Chair Preston. Was that an aye, Mr. Preston? Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition once again. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations, Supervisor Mandelman. Let's uh, go to item number seven, please. Agenda item number seven is an ordinance amending the planning code to encourage housing production by first exempting under certain conditions specified housing projects from the notice and review procedures of section 311 and the conditional use requirements of section 317 in areas outside of priority oh. equity geographies which are identified in the housing element as areas or neighborhoods with a high density of vulnerable populations in areas outside residential house districts within the family housing opportunity special use district. Second, 
removing the conditional use requirement for several types of housing projects, including housing developments on large lots in areas outside the priority equity geography special use district. Projects to build on the allow, sorry, projects to build to the allowable height limit, projects that build additional units in lower density zoning districts and senior housing projects that seek to obtain double density, subject to certain exceptions in RH districts in the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District. Amending third, excuse me, third, amending rear yard front setback, lot frontage, minimum lot size, and residential open space requirements in specified districts, subject to certain exceptions in RH districts in the Family Housing Opportunity Special Use District. Fourth, allowing additional uses on the ground floor in residential buildings, homeless shelters, and group housing in residential districts, and and administrative review of reasonable accommodations. Fifth, expanding the eligibility for the Housing Opportunities Mean Equity San Francisco Home SF program and density exceptions in residential districts. Sixth, exempting certain affordable housing projects from certain development fees. Seventh, authorizing the planning director to approve state density bonus projects subject to delegation from the planning commission. And eighth, making conforming amendments to other sections of the planning code, amending the zoning map to create the priority equities geographies special use district, amending the subdivision code to update the condominium conversion requirements for projects utilizing residential density exemptions in RH districts, and affirming the planning department's CEQA findings, making findings of public necessity, convenience, and welfare under planning code section 302, and findings of consistency with the general plan and the eight priority policies. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. That was a mouthful. And it was a mouthful because this is a very complicated piece of legislation. And so um, I'd like to update folks of what is going on with this legislation and what I suggest that we do today. So uh, last uh, time we met, I introduced a whole bunch of amendments that were uh, designed to preserve the special use district on the west side that we all passed unanimously um, that uh, streamlined the uh, construction of fourplexes um, in our uh, SUD. Um, given this piece of legislation, there's a bunch of like technical discrepancies uh, about stuff that um, really don't have much to do with the intent of both legislations. So this is stuff uh, around, um, you know, the 317 uh, uh, criteria, the rear setbacks, the percentage uh, of open space, uh, the configuration of that open space, uh, the lot area width, front setbacks, definition of group housing. So there's a bunch of just technical discrepancies and we all agree that going forward, we wanna have as much uh, clarity and simplicity in the code as possible. So in order to do that um, cleanup and just uh, make sure that the definitions are consistent across the city as much as possible um, and that we intend to do all of these things um, I am going to propose that we uh, continue this item until October 30th uh, to give uh, 
planning department staff, the mayor's office, and uh, other offices that are also considering amendments some time to uh, work on the language to make sure that you know uh, discrepancies are addressed, that we have standard definitions that are simple and clear, uh, and you know that is the intent <laughs> of this legislation and the legislation that we passed a few weeks ago. Um, and so, uh, you know, I I just want to assure everyone that we are diligently working through it and working together, um, and that you know hopefully by the time this gets back to us. Uh, on the 30th, um, any amendments are going to be approved as a form, and also we will catch all those little things that need to be addressed. Um, so with that, I also uh, uh, understand that Supervisor Mandelman um, is thinking about some things that he'd like to see in this legislation, so I'm going to turn it over to him. Um, yeah, and, and we actually, we have some of the amendments, but I think it makes sense to hold off on those um, and give... Uh, all of us a chance to digest where the legislation is now. Um, the legislation, the amendments that I have, um, I think I've telegraphed, but um, you know, we have a, a little bit of cleanup, I think, around historic preservation. Um, we have an amendment. Um, we want to ensure that uh, monster home provisions um, survive in our new uh, streamlined era and that we are not streamlining the production of giant um, single family homes, um, which, uh, have happened quite a bit in my district uh, and some other parts of the city. Um, uh, and um, some interest in trying to uh, maybe direct some of the dense state density bonus projects to parts of the city where it makes the most sense. That is transit corridors, um, areas that are already, we are already contemplating increasing the, the heights um, and densities for. And then uh, there's an ongoing conversation. Um, this may get resolved before we uh, introduce our amendments, but I think there is a feeling um, that we don't want this legislation to be the vehicle for the loss of uh, rent-controlled housing. And I think that that has been addressed in uh, Supervisor Melgar, Chair Melgar, in your SUD. Well, oh, in, in, in your SUD, I don't think it has been addressed um, uh, citywide in the ways that I think we should. I think the notion of trying to preserve additional review of uh, demolition of, um, of rent-controlled housing um, uh, is, uh, um, and basically, you know, m existing multifamily, um, you know, rent-controlled buildings is something we want to ensure. So, um, and I think you know some of the protections that were built into your SUD around making sure that even if neighborhood neighbors might not have a full 311 uh, process and a 317 hearing, they would at least have the opportunity to learn about projects and to bring discrepancies to the attention of staff um, is also a thing that you know is good enough for your SUD, but I think it's good enough for uh, the city. So. Um, that may all get done before I even need to introduce amendment. One of my amendments, I do, th I do think that the amendments that we're con I know that the amendments that I'm contemplating around preserving the monster home provisions in, in District Eight through our new uh, Brave New World um, are likely to require re-referral to um, to the Planning Commission, and the Planning Commission will have to think about them. So, um, I just want to prepare people's expectations. I would expect that our planning department and planning commission will do everything they can to expedite that review, but uh, you know, there is a little more time we need to 
contemplate um, for, for that review to happen. So that's what I have for now, and we, do, we have amendments we could have introduced, but we will be ready in two weeks as well. Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Melgar, and, and I um, look forward to continuing the, the conversation on this, and I appreciate Supervisor Mandelman's comments, particularly on, on uh, the, the being cautious and, and looking at the issue of rent-controlled homes, not just in the special use district, but citywide. I did on that issue, I, I do want to just, we talked last time about how some of the amendment work that we're doing here in committee feels a bit like we're kind of doing the administration's job for them a little, like why is it not coming to us with certain things? And, and on the rent control point, I, I, I see our uh, director Hillis is here and, and through the chair would like to just ask on that rent control issue to Mr. Hillis, just I appreciate Supervisor Manaman's willingness to work on these amendments, but I am still kind of troubled at why staff why, why staff is recommending approval of streamlining demolition of rent-controlled homes when that seems to contradict the housing element that is explicitly warning us or, or commanding that we don't do that. So I, I just, I'm troubled by, while we're happy to work on the amendments, I'm just trying to understand why this is, why this is even on the table. Why would we streamline and remove these levels of review for demolition of any rent-controlled homes? One, I'd say we're willing to, to make that change and, Thank you. and be consistent with Supervisor Melgar's legislation where you can't demo or you would need a CU to get that, that approval. So we'll, we'll only allow that streamlining consistent again with, with what Supervisor Melgar has in her legislation for a demo of a single family home where you're increasing density, it's not historic, there weren't tenants, so we agree. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that and I guess I would just, you know, as I'm sure this won't be our last uh, look at various provisions and I just want to urge that the proposals that come that it not require the board to, the board will predictably, I think one thing we've seen, the board will predictably weigh in, I hope, uh, to protect rent control homes and to make sure there's levels of review before we're demolishing them. Um, so I would just, I would encourage, uh, and, I, and I'm, I, I appreciate the, the willingness to support those kind of, of amendments, but just would yeah. hope in future we're not seeing proposals. Sure, and, and like I said but, before, Supervisor Preston, we rarely, if ever, on my, term as a commissioner and now as a director have recommended the demolition of rent controlled units in very rare cases like the conservatory of music out here in Van Ness where there's an agreement to replace those there's an agreement with the tenants we would recommend approval of that thank you supervisor uh, president Peskin yeah I just want to reiterate my continued dismay that a piece of legislation that wasn't ready for prime time that did not pick up the cues of the policy work that we had done on other iterations of similar pieces of public policy is being subject to open heart surgery that is taking a huge amount of time that if it had been done right at the beginning would not be this blank show that I'm continuing to sit through and it pisses me off. That's all I have to say. And by the way, not for... And I'm not saying that at Director Hillis, because 
you know, Director Hillis actually understood that this was a bridge too far at the beginning. I'm saying that to the office of the mayor. Thank you, President Peskin. Um, I think this is part of the legislative process, but um, okay, let's go to public. Oh, I, so I uh, will uh, make a motion that we continue this uh, till October 30th. Because it's agendized, let's uh, take public comment, uh, and uh, then we'll deal with that and, after. And if I may not to be argumentative, Chair Melgar, and I said this at a previous meeting, which is, had one of our colleagues brought something that was so half-baked here, we would have laughed him out of the room. It's because this comes, the mayor's making us do her work, and it's not cool. Thank you, President Peskin. Let's go to public comment. Very good. We'll take public comment now on agenda item number seven. As indicated earlier in today's meeting, the chair is limiting public comment to one minute per speaker. Please come forward if you have comments on agenda item number seven. Generally speaking, for the city of San Francisco, so it is not in the best interest of the future of San Francisco, Mayor, to demolish anything, to touch anything at this point. You don't you wait. The future is going to be better, but for the timing, otherwise, first, first off, anybody who is trying to do something in the city has to declare his conflict or her conflict of interest. You declare your conflict of interest. You define your goal. It makes your goal very clear then, transparency. Then you know where you're going. Otherwise, you don't know. And it becomes a joke, and it's a bad joke. Thank you, Terry Phil, for sharing your comments with the committee. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, Supervisors. Annie Fryman with SPUR today. I'll be really quick. Um, we continue to be in support of the constraints legislation. Um, understand there are a lot of amendments swirling around, and just wanted to reiterate that the advocacy community, I think broadly in the housing space, um, we are laser focused on housing element compliance just because of the stake of the consequences in terms of state law, potential funding that could be lost, litigation risk for the city. Um, and so as amendments are being considered, we just urge supervisors to continue to be diligent in your conversations with planning, city attorney's office, potentially HCD, just to ensure that we don't put that compliance at risk as we move forward. Um, Again, affordable housing funding, transit funding, et cetera, are really, really critical, I think, to all members of the Board of Supervisors in the city, as well as to us as advocates. So thank you again for your collaboration, and we are very available to help as you all see fit. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Good afternoon, supervisors. Please speak uh, up. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Elizabeth, and I am a resident here in San Francisco. My parents and I have been living in the same unit, rent control, for 30 years. Um, they uh, depend on their rent control unit to stay in the city. Uh, my mom is disabled. I'm able to help her. Um, they do not want to go to senior housing. If, if that's an option, they would like to stay uh, living where they know and where they uh, relate to their neighbors. Uh, being in the city, I've been able to do so many things here to stay here, um, volunteering, um, SFSPCA, uh, Centro Latino, Arriba Juntos. I've also been an after-school teacher, worked four years in Bryan Elementary School um, in the Unified School District. I want to continue to stay here in a rent control unit so that I can continue to contribute in the city 
and I urge you to please uh, not remove rent control in these units, not have uh, laws that demolish uh, family homes in, uh, for the greed, basically, for nonprofits and developers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sharing your comments. Could we have the next speaker, please? And if we have anyone else in the chamber who has public comment on agenda item number seven, please line up along the side of the room. Translator, please. Hola, buenas tardes. Mi nombre es uh, Melissa Monroy. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Melissa Monroy. Uh, estoy aquí para decir que uh, es un gravísimo error querer remover una ley. I, I'm here to tell you that I think it's a great error to try to remove a law. Uh, que comenzó su lucha en los años uh, 70 y 80. That began uh, its fight in the 70s and 80s. Muchos inquilinos que viven en edificios controlados y que ganan el salario, uh, las personas uh, ganan el salario mínimo. Many of the uh, renters who live in rent-controlled units and who earn minimum wage um, tendrían el peor pánico de sus vidas. Would have their worst panic in their lives. Uh, cuando el arrendador le aumente la renta uh, y esto se vaya por las nubes y no habrá quien salve a esos inquilinos, when the landlord raises the rent or does anything else and nobody tells the tenants. Esos inquilinos podrían ser también nuestra familia, pues es importante que esa ley prevalezca. The, those tenants could be our families, and so it's really important that the law remains. Uh, aunque muchos inquilinos no saben que um, no, no estamos solos porque tenemos la ley llamada Costa Hackings que se aprobó en el año 1995. Even though many tenants uh, know that we are protected, uh, even under the Costa Hawkins law that was approved in 1975. Eh, también tenemos una ley que, fi uh, que firmó el gobernador de California uh, llamada AB1482, uh, aunque tiene vencimiento, pero creo que da aliento. And also the law uh, AB1482 um, that uh, does some things, but also gives us hope. Thank you for sharing Thank your you. comments. Do we have anyone else here in the chamber who has public comment for agenda item number seven? Let's be connected to the first caller. Connected remotely, please. Good afternoon, Supervisors Jake Price. On behalf of the Housing Action Coalition, um, I would like to echo a lot of the comments um, that Annie Fryman made earlier um, and just continue to appreciate the uh, thoughtful uh, discussions at this committee and want to urge uh, elected officials as they are introducing amendments to make this legislation better, just ensuring that these amendments are, would keep us in compliance with our housing element that we unanimously adopted earlier this year. Um, so looking forward to continued conversations and uh, looking forward to passing a compliant uh, piece of legislation. Thank you. Thank you, Jake Price, for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Hi, all. I'm Francesca, resident from the Mission. I got to say, you got to look at who's supporting this bill and who's really excited about it. It's the architects, it's the 
it's the <laughs> developers, it's the people that are involved with EMV and fake support groups like the one that just spoke, the Housing Action Coalition, which is a totally fake, non-progressive group, probably funded by more real estate developers than I can shake a stick at. This uh, Frankenstein of a bill is uh, not ready for prime time, endorsing you, Mr. Preston. Uh, but <laughs> Peskin, but I also think more than that, we can do better than this. We have already so many empty buildings in the city right now that are sitting vacant. Let's work on those. We need to get that number up because apparently there's a boogeyman called some sort of compliance thing that we need to take care of. And I'm sure we can take care of that, take care of all of our rent controlled units, take care of our disabled, our low income earners and all of the people who live in the city in ways that are less destructive than this. Thank you, Francesca, for sharing your comments with the committee. We have to move on to the next speaker. Could we please be connected? Yes. Thank you for uh, Supervisor Preston's comments and Supervisor Peskin. This looks like a slow strangulation of rent control, which is already uh, too weak in many respects to protect folks who live under rent control and for whom it's basically life and death, housing or the street or having to leave the city altogether and huge uh, life-changing problems. Uh, I'm sorry to say that the 472 words that are in the agenda item don't have one word about rent or rent control. Uh, and the legislative file of 467 pages has many pages that are not searchable, uh, and it's basically uh, pretty much incomprehensible unless uh, one really works hard at trying to figure it out. Please don't weaken rent control further. Thanks very much. Thank you for sharing your comments. Can we have the next speaker, please? Hello, this is Steve Marzo. I'm a resident in Ingleside. I'm also a volunteer with Indie Action. I'm uh, calm because I'm just trying to remind the board that we have a housing uh, element that we need to stay in compliance with, and there's a lot of key pieces. And I actually agree with Supervisor Peskin in that, you know, there's, it's, all this back and forth is really not looking good. Um, you know, we have a lot of really big things to accomplish with this, and we need to stay compliant or else we'll lose all of our affordable housing funding and potentially land use authority. So huge consequences if we mess this up. So please keep your eyes focused on the ball. Let's get all the required pieces passed, and that includes a lot of the constraints reduction, and um, let's try not to water it down too much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Uh, good afternoon, Supervisors. My name is Mike Chan. I am a uh, District 2 resident. I volunteer with San Francisco UMB and also uh, on the SFMTA Citizens Advisory Council, seeking my personal capacity um, in support of the legislation and hope that it goes through. And also really concerned about our transit system and situation with our transit budget and our structural deficit, and knowing that if we do fail our housing element and we're deemed out of compliance, then we risk losing hundreds of millions of dollars in transportation funding. So really hope that we get this right and get this passed in time. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Uh, 
Hi, can you hear me? Can hear you. Please begin. Hi. Hi. My name is Jessica Bola. I'm a local real estate agent in D6. I want you guys to like support this legislation because we have to keep in compliance with the housing element, or else the you guys will lose control over a, a lot of it. So I think it's important to keep the fact that the housing element isn't going in compliance. You guys need to stay in compliance. So like support this so you guys continue to stay in compliance. That is all. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your comments. Let's have the next speaker, please. Have we found in Hello, this is Anastasia. Please begin. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please begin. Okay, this is this is Anastasia Yovanopoulos from San Francisco Tennis Union and the Rep Coalition. And as Supervisor Peskin said last week, this legislation does not have the carrots or sticks to produce the kind of housing we need to produce. Myrna Melgar's uh, Amendment to demolish rent-controlled units does not go far enough as it does not extend citywide. And rent control is our most precious housing stock. Please don't water down the, the, um, the measure. Thank you. Thank you, Anastasia Yovanopoulos, for sharing your comments to the committee. Can we have the next speaker, please? Good afternoon. My name is Robert Fruckman. I am a volunteer lead with San Francisco UMB. Uh, unlike other commenters, I urge the city to uh, not pull back, um, to, to not renege on its programs in the housing element. Uh, I've heard Director Hillis today uh, express his complete willingness to um, renege on, on the promise that the city made to implement program 8.4.9 which is described in the housing element as a key constraint reduction. Uh, it sounds as though that the city is ready to totally give up on uh, key programs that HCD um, required uh, for, the, for the state to even approve the housing element in the first place. And I urge the city to uh, not take any actions which would cause it to come out of compliance. Uh, the city has multiple programs which are due by January 31st, 2023, or sorry, 2024. Thank you, Robert Fruckman, for sharing your comments. The committee, could we have the next speaker, please? And if you've just heard that your line is unmuted, that means it's your opportunity to provide your comments on agenda item number seven. Yes, uh, thank you, I just got the notification. Uh, hi, my name is Joel Cohn. I'm a resident of Burlingame who would like to move to San Francisco, but the uh, ridiculously high rent prices for market rate housing make that basically impossible. Um, I, would, I would encourage the, um, the board to move quickly with uh, removing a lot of the constraints that make it difficult to build housing of any type, affordable or market rate. And, um, and I would gently remind them that uh, the uh, deadline for inspection on the housing element is coming up, and if they're found out of compliance, they're going to lose most of the um, most of their zoning permission, which, I mean, frankly, would be uh, would be probably a benefit for uh, for building housing, considering the slow pace at which it's going currently. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Joel Cohn, for sharing your comments. The committee, could we have the next speaker, please? Hello, am I up? Can you hear me? Yes, please begin. Well. 
this um, quasi-legislative fiasco that um, Senator Weiner and London Breed are trying to put you guys at the crosshairs of um, is very disappointing, laughable, and quite a disgrace to the uh, credibility of the governmental process. I mean, I don't think London Breed has the slightest interest in solving the housing crisis. She's holding up $100 million at affordable housing. So anybody talks about uh, that is, is uh, ignoring the fact that Wiener in Breed have one goal and one goal only, which is to get everybody who doesn't make $100,000 a year or more out of the city. She couldn't care less. She wants to destroy rent control. She's going to do her best. She thinks she's going to run for Congress or other governmental agencies. This time is concluded. Um, Thank you for sharing your comments. Could we get the next speaker, please? Hello, this is Jonathan Randolph. I am disappointed in Supervisor Melgar's changes that bring back the minimum lot areas and setbacks in the Family Housing Opportunity SUD, a.k.a. High Opportunity Neighborhoods. I think that's backwards and perpetuates the disparities between the wealthy neighborhoods and the poorer neighborhoods. The whole point of the housing, ident housing element identifying high opportunity neighborhoods was to affirmatively further fair housing and allow modest homes in the wealthy neighborhoods, not to perpetuate the disparities between the poorer neighborhoods and the wealthy neighborhoods. So I urge you to undo the amendments that perpetuate the disparities between the wealthy and poorer neighborhoods. Nevertheless, the measure does a lot of good in making government work better, so please move it forward. Uh, because I think the, especially the, the demolition changes to protect tenants rather than to protect studs and joists is, is a good change. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan Randolph, for sharing your comments with the committee. And Madam Chair, I understand that there are no further callers in the queue. Okay, great. Uh, public comment on this item is now closed. Supervisor Preston. Thank you, Chair Melgar. I, I just wanted, along the same lines as my uh, questions to um, the planning director previously, I, I just for all these um, various groups who have supported the legislation as drafted and for the mayor's office of housing, I just want to really encourage folks before the next hearing to clarify because w their positions, because what I'm hearing, and I don't want to put words in folks' mouths, but by not amending this, the mayor's office is sending the message that they are okay with streamlining the demolition of rent-controlled homes. And there's now been you know, not only the whole period leading up to introducing this, but all the hearings we have so far had on this, we've not seen any amendment to eliminate that. So um, the representative from the mayor's office who came to the second hearing on this stopped short of saying one way or the other uh, what the position was around demolition of rent-controlled homes. But if you continue to propose to, to support this legislation without those changes that Supervisor Mandelman, Supervisor Melgar, that everyone is talking about, uh, that is tantamount to supporting the streamlining of the demolition of rent-controlled homes. And so when I hear a public comment from Spur saying they support the legislation that's before us and they're not asking for those amendments, what I hear is support for the demolition of rent-controlled homes. When I hear that from SF Yimby, from HAC, uh, from whatever the groups are, um, 
I just I, I, I raise this to say, you know, it's also possible uh, to revise your positions and make clear that you support this streamlining, but uh, with the kinds of amendments that Supervisor Mandelman uh, will be working on. But absent that kind of statement, I, I just want to be clear that all these folks who are supporting the legislation as drafted are supporting and asking the board to support the streamlining, the demolition of rent-controlled homes, something uh, that I hope no one on this board supports. Thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, Supervisor Preston. I, I will just add that it's also in our housing element that we approved unanimously, the protection of rent-controlled units. So uh, with that, I'd like to make a motion that we continue this item until October 30th. Motion offered by Chair Melgar that this item be continued two weeks to the October 30th meeting. On that motion, Vice Chair Preston. Preston, aye. Member Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Chair Melgar. Aye. Melgar, aye. Madam Chair, there is no opposition. Okay, do we have anything else on our agenda, Mr. Clerk? There is no further business. Okay, we're adjourned. Thank you.